Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There is a certain mood I like to establish for a Friday show. You know, we're kind of going into the weekend, and I like for the Friday show to feel fun. I like for it to be positive. I like for everybody to kind of have good vibes going into the weekend. Now, I believe we're going to achieve that today, but I believe in order to get there, I've got to navigate a little bit of a landmine in terms of actually being able to produce that because... I'm going to fight the temptation to be a little bit of a wet blanket here for a moment. Now, I don't think I'm going to be that much of a wet blanket, but I don't believe that I can universally agree with a sentiment that's being expressed right now about a specific Georgia player for the upcoming season. Let me kind of lay this out and sort of explain this this way. You know, yesterday we talked a lot about Carson Beck, who I think sort of appears to be on his way to being the Georgia starting quarterback here for this upcoming season after what I looked like a very successful spring for him and I talked yesterday about the growth maturity that I think we've seen uh, from Carson Beck by the way coming up in a few minutes here on today's show we're gonna hear from Jake Fromm I'm gonna ask him about that in particular about you know someone who certainly understands the quarterback position you know what exactly did he see from uh, Beck this spring and does he agree with me that it certainly seems like this is a much more mature Carson than it was when he first arrived here in a very challenging 2020. This was a really good show yesterday with some really candid stuff from uh, Carson Beck. I invite you to go back and uh, revisit that if you haven't got a chance to see that as of yet. So so I had a lot of very nice things to say about Carson Beck yesterday. I just believe that he had a phenomenal spring, and I believe that Carson Beck has really done a great job of growing into the role of seemingly now being ready to be the Georgia starting quarterback. And as I mentioned on one of our shows, I think it was last week while we were on the uh, Dog Nation cruise, I don't think it should be taken for granted just how much Beck has grown because that's not necessarily a natural progression. Everybody naturally gets older, but getting older doesn't naturally make you wiser unless you really do some work to make sure that you learn what you need to learn. And it certainly seems like Beck has used his time at Georgia very well. Obviously, he'd be the first to tell you. He wishes he was playing. He wishes he'd been starting quarterback for the last, you know, however many years. I'm sure that that's just a very honest feeling there that if you're a college football player, you want to be on the field. Beck, to this point in his college career, has not been on the field as much as he would have liked for it to be. But by his own telling, and we played some of this for you yesterday in a, a sort of a candid interview that he did, while he was not playing, he was watching. And while he was watching, he was learning. And what he has learned, he is ready to put to good use. So I am very optimistic about what the outlook can be for Carson Beck as the Georgia starting quarterback this season. I think he could be set up to have a successful season, and I think he could be set up to be inserted into a Georgia offense that very much keeps the dream alive of, as we say around here, to go for three and 23 and win this program's third straight national championship. But this is where like the wet blanket version of me comes in, the a more negative version of me comes in. I've also cautioned Georgia fans a lot over the course of this offseason. Be careful assuming that anything is going to be easy. And if you look at previous instances when teams have had a chance to go for that third straight national championship, what you see in many cases is sort of uh, an obstacle or a challenge emerging that could not have been predicted 
at the beginning of the season that college football is just not sort of set up to be easy. Uh, big wins aren't easy to accomplish, and big games aren't easy for us to predict. That college football has a way of surprising us. So for uh, thus those of us who are Georgia fans, hoping and maybe even expecting Georgia to win that national championship here this upcoming season and really put the program into kind of a top shelf of very rare history that almost nobody else can match and really no one else would be able to match. As Georgia goes on that journey to be able to do that, don't assume it's going to be easy and be on the lookout, be on guard for something to kind of pop up and be a challenge that maybe right now does not necessarily appear to be that way. And all this kind of ties back to Carson back here for a moment because we're kind of in that uh, time of the year in which a lot of these national websites, the national writers for these websites, are updating what we sometimes call those way too early top 25s. And I guess at this point in time now, we've sort of shifted away from them being way too early. Now they're just preseason because at this point in time, it's not way too early anymore. We're going to be playing football you know, coming up in just a few months here. So we've, we've kind of arrived at the doorstep of the season, You know, final preparations uh, taking place, a little bit of rest and relaxation during the summer months, and then boom, we're at you know, it's, it's fall. We're playing football here uh, before you know it. So we've sort of transitioned away from top 25s being way too early, and now it's just more kind of a preseason top 25. And we talked in yesterday's show a little bit about the uh, release recently from ESPN. Obviously, Georgia at number one there, according to the worldwide leaders, they like to think of themselves. And uh, there's a new way too early or preseason top 25 out at CBS Sports. It's written by Dennis Dodd. And, you know, once again, you know, you should expect to see Georgia at the number one spot at all of these. And those of us who are Georgia fans, a lot of us probably expect Georgia to be at the end of this number one in the country when it's all said and done there as well. So it's not that interesting right now to see Georgia number one preseason top 25s. They're pretty much going to be all. They're pretty much going to be number one in all of those unofficial versions of that. When the two official polls come out in the summer, the coaches poll, the AP poll, Georgia's going to probably be and will be number one there in that spot there as well. So when you look at some of this preseason stuff, you have to look a little bit more deeply to sort of see what is interesting. And at the recent release from CBS Sports, the writer Dennis Dodd, there was one thing that Dodd wrote in his blurb about Georgia that I have to say I thought was pretty interesting, and I think it kind of counts as you know, kind of a bold prediction for Georgia this season that actually might be a little bolder than some of y'all maybe realize, and that's where me as a little bit of a wet blanket or me as a little bit of a more negative contrarian probably comes in a little bit today. So let me, let, let me, let me read this to you. This is Dennis Dodd, CBSSports.com, on why he's got Georgia number one. There is one sentence I pulled out in here in particular that I thought was very interesting, and it relates back to Carson Beck, who we were just discussing a moment ago. So this is what Dodd writes, that Georgia might actually get an upgrade at quarterback where Carson Beck is projected to take over for Stetson Bennett. So what Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports is saying here is, is that not only does it look like Carson Beck is going to be Georgia's starting quarterback this season, Dodd suggests, and this is the bold prediction part of this, Dodd suggests that Beck this year could be even better than Carson than, than Stetson Bennett was over the course of the last two years as the Georgia starting quarterback. Now let me pause here for a minute. There are plenty of Georgia fans who absolutely believe this is true. We hear from them. They're in our comment section. They react and, and, and discuss uh, things with us here on social media. We just have that conversation. I've been having conversations like this for quite some time. There are plenty of Georgia fans who say, yeah, you know what? I do think that Carson Beck can be better than Stetson Bennett. And obviously the truth is that that he might be, that, that he might be the uh, you know a, a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. That's at least a possibility. But here's where I think you have to be really careful here for a moment. I think you have to be really, really careful putting too much on back right now. And 
at a certain point, I think we all have to come to grips with, at no point in time has the career of Stetson Bennett largely been appreciated for what it was. When he was leading Georgia to its first national championship in a long time in 2021, I think Beck uh, should say Bennett was discounted. When he came back to the 2022 season, a lot of folks thought it'd be impossible for him to repeat what he had done the previous year, and he actually increased his performance and made himself even better. The Georgia offense seemingly got even better, and he won a second straight national championship. Uh, a lot of folks thought he might go undrafted. Ultimately, he was picked in the fourth round by a quarterback-friendly coach like Sean McVay. That the performance of Stetson Bennett at Georgia has just kind of always been better than it was given credit for being. And I think he leaves far bigger shoes to fill than he's been given credit for. That doesn't mean that Beck couldn't potentially surpass what Stetson Bennett did, nor does it mean that Beck might be deficient at the quarterback position for Georgia. But just be very careful, as I think Dennis Dodd may have done there at CBS Sports, just sort of flippantly tossing it out of, you know what, Carson Beck's going to be the quarterback, and he may even be better than Stetson Bennett. I mean, let's look at Georgia football history for a moment. I mean, how many quarterbacks – not just in recent years, but ever. How many quarterbacks have actually been drafted higher uh, than what Stetson Bennett was here this year? Not nearly as many as you might think. You know, you know the, the history of Georgia quarterbacks being drafted higher than Bennett was there in the fourth round. Boy, you got to go all the way back to Matthew Staff to find a first-round pick, and uh, you don't have a lot of examples of, uh, you know, anything even close to that in, in program history that, that Bennett being drafted in the fourth round is actually pretty high for Georgia quarterbacks when you go back and look at decades and decades worth of history. Not only that, a lot of people may not realize this. Uh, Bennett was sixth nationally in passing yards last season, sixth in the country for a team that's sort of thought to be defense first, for a team that's sort of thought to be over the course of you know history, RBU, running back university, ground and pound behind a big offensive line. Georgia actually threw the ball last year very, very well. Stetson Bennett actually threw the ball last year very, very well. That matching the statistical total that Bennett put up, not easy. Matching the performance in big games, MVPs, in the Orange Bowl, and the national championship, and then this year's national championship, and the SEC championship this year, and uh, the, you know, the, the Peach Bowl there as well, where he you know, kind of went you know, toe-to-toe with a quarterback like C.J. Stroud that was actually drafted in the first round from Ohio State, that actually matching that performance in big games, not an easy thing to do. So keep that in mind, please, and national writers keep this that in mind there as well. But if Carson Beck actually performs as well as Stetson Bennett did this year, he'll actually be doing a lot very, very well to be able to do that. And it, it shouldn't be said with sort of flippant disregard that, oh, yeah, he'll even be better than Stetson Bennett was because of the skill set that he brings to the table. Now, here's the good news. While I think at times some fans may understand this, and maybe at times some national media types may uh, uh, misunderstand this, the truth is the guy at the center of this entire discussion, Carson Beck, doesn't seem like he misunderstands this at all. We told you yesterday about a pretty candid interview that Beck had done with like Footballville, a YouTube page that I was not familiar with before yesterday. Uh, we told you we'd put a link to this uh, interview, and we obviously will do that for uh, today's show there as well. But in light of what we were just talking about of, hey, you know, Stetson Bennett, I believe, casts a big shadow over the Georgia quarterback position because of the success that he enjoyed, leaves big shoes to fill because of what he was able to do playing this position for this program in the midst of two straight national championship years. While some media types may not fully understand that, while some fans may occasionally misunderstand that, the truth is Carson Beck understands that full well near the end of the interview that uh, Beck did with Footballville. He talked about that. The fact that, yeah, stepping into a role like Georgia quarterback right now, if he is indeed 
about to do that. He obviously hasn't been officially named the starter yet, but if he is indeed about to do that, Beck knows how good the guy before him actually was. So that's good news. This is Carson Beck on that topic. There is a ton of pressure, you know, like whatever ends up happening, um, if that is me in the spot, um, there's tons of pressure because the guy that did it before, you know, did win two national championships mm-hmm. and had an unbelievable career. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's out of my control what he did. You know, mm-hmm. the only thing I can control is going into practice on Monday and making sure I do that. And then Tuesday and then Wednesday, you know, and day by day and focus on each opponent individually and just get first downs and score touchdowns. You know, that's, that's all I can focus on. Cause if I start to think about, Oh, well, I have to be this. No, I just got to be myself, you know, and at the end of the day, that's all you got to do as a football player is just be you. And, you know, if, if things work out, it works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but you know, I have confidence in my ability. And I think if I just be myself, it'll work. I mean, I love that response from Carson Beck. It's one of the reasons why I talked so much yesterday about the growth and maturity that he's shown and how much that's made me a fan of his because I think he gets it. If you tie that into what we heard from Beck yesterday, maybe as a young quarterback, and he wouldn't be the only one guilty of this, you sort of step onto a college field and you assume that it's maybe going to be easier than it actually is because you believe, as all quarterbacks do, that I'm the guy, I'm the alpha, I'm destined to succeed, but college football has a way of making you question yourself about that kind of stuff and maybe making you doubt yourself because it always, almost always, ends up being harder in reality than it's kind of perceived to be in the minds of these uh, potentially great players, and I think that Beck went through some of that. Well, now he fully appreciates the fact that Stetson Bennett went out there, succeeded the way that he did, and probably made the job of quarterback look easier than it was, and being as good as Stetson is no easy feat. And yet at the same time, Beck, while he maybe acknowledges that, also acknowledges, but I'm confident that I'm ready. I'm confident that I've learned what I've needed to learn, and I'm ready to go out there and show it during practice each day during the week and on games for the 15 times we hope that Georgia gets to play this season. I don't think you could have a better response from Beck than that to what kind of exists right now. Not just big expectations for Georgia as a team, but big expectations for Beck personally to go out and have a great season, possibly built on the back of maybe a misunderstanding of exactly how good Stetson Bennett was. But Beck has a chance to be that good himself. Maybe he will uh, have a chance to be better. Either way, the Georgia offense is going to be fascinating to see. Carson Beck has waited a long time for his moment, and there are a lot of people very curious to see what he brings to the table for the dogs this season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Uh, live at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Twitch. Boy, a lot of video platforms to watch our show. You can listen to us on the radio if you're there in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify. Uh, some of you listen directly on SoundCloud, worldfamousdognation.com. Lots of ways to connect with us, and we just glad, we're just very, very glad that you picked one of them to uh, join us and be a part of our show each and every day. Really thankful for all of that. Also thankful for our friends at Kroger on the program here today, too. And, boy, you drive around right now, you see all those signs kind of popping up of congratulations to our graduates, and every neighborhood seemingly has a slew of graduates they want to celebrate here right now. They'll let you know the graduation season is on hand. Of course, our friends at Kroger got you covered on that, too. You having those graduation parties. How about some decorated cakes? How about some party trays? All kinds of stuff to kind of decorate the house and celebrate the special grad there in your life. Kroger's got you on all of that. Even those uh, gift cards or the, the greeting cards that kind of celebrate and say congratulations. 
You can get all that your local Kroger. Go to Kroger.com slash graduation for more on that. That's Kroger.com slash graduation for more on that. I'll also tell you this while we're on the subject of Kroger that you still got a little bit of time. I believe you have what until Sunday at noon, I believe I'm right about that. Let me make sure. It's Sunday at noon, I believe. Yes, yeah, Sunday, May 7th at noon. That's when the entries are going to close for this. We've been doing our Kroger Perfect Moms giveaway because May, my wife and I talk about this a lot. May is low key the busiest month of the year because you got the end of school, you got, you know, sports season kind of wrapping up a little bit. Uh, I've got a graduation. My son's going to be graduating fifth grade here this year, so that's always a big emotional thing. He does not want us to make a big deal about that, but I told him too bad. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where we just have a lot going on. All of you do there as well. So Mother's Day is a big part of this too, so don't miss out on this. And for those of you who want to see your mom potentially recognized next week as one of our Kroger Perfect Moms, of course, we're celebrating Perfect Moms in honor of the dogs, Perfect Season. In honor of all of that, you got a little bit of time as you hear this show throughout the weekend to kind of get your nomination in. We're going to close it up on Sunday, start announcing our winners next week. It's going to be one per day. We're going to draw these winners at random and celebrate some great stories of some truly perfect moms who are kind of right there for what we need, right when we need it. That's what we mean when we say perfection from these great moms in our audience. So whether it's your mom or just a mom you have in your life, your wife, your your sister, your daughter, your whatever else, uh, whatever story you want to tell, send that to us top of the page there at dognation.com. There's a great link that you can click into to share your story, submit your uh, entry, your your nomination. And then next week, we're going to start drawing some names and announcing some winners one per day on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger there next week. And for the moms that are honored and that are selected, a uh, great collection of gift cards coming your way, valued at $350, from about $150 to Kroger, a $100 gift card to Macy's, a $100 gift card to Bath & Body Works. What a great collection of gift cards to our Kroger Perfect Mom winners. So please check out dognation.com. Nominate a mom in your life there on that. you got until noon on Sunday to do it. And then we'll draw names out. We'll start announcing our winners next week. It's one of my favorite things we do each and every year. The response to this is always terrific. And this year has certainly been no different. So good stuff coming out on that next week. All right. Uh, let me give you one more housekeeping note. And then we're going to dive into what's next. So today, our show is obviously live. I could hold up the copy of the paper and you'd be able to see this. Today, we are live on the show. But there are two elements today that are pre-recorded, and they're pre-recorded for completely different reasons. Our great friend Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback, he is in the midst of like a bunch of OTA stuff with the Washington Commanders, his uh, NFL team. Uh, so Jake's been kind enough to actually still join us, despite the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> Right to have a football career too so uh jake's uh, kind enough to join us has been joining us on tuesdays for a while but we had to kind of uh accommodate him at a different time this week so we pre-recorded this yesterday to air today so before we're done we actually get a chance to hear from the great former Jordan quarterback jake Fromm. and as I told you before i talked a lot yesterday and also just a moment ago about kind of the growth and maturity of carson back uh jake Fromm's got some interesting stuff to say about that we'll let you hear it before we are done on today's show. Also, for a completely different reason, our normal Friday guest, Jeff Sintel, had to step away from work for a few minutes today, so he was kind enough to join us yesterday. Plenty of really good recruiting stuff with him. We're going to get into five-star linebacker Sammy Brown, five-star quarterback, of course, Dylan Riola. I don't know when there'll be an interview with Jeff that I don't ask Jeff at least something about Riola. That obviously continues here for today's conversation, too. So really good recruiting stuff coming up with Jeff. Great stuff coming up with the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. It is a busy show to conclude a week here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Now, with all that said, let's go around the doghouse, presented today and uh, served up today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And when I talked to Jake later on, 
there's kind of a funny thing that uh, kind of plays out here from the standpoint that uh, I asked Jake about, you know, he's Jake's with the Washington Commanders, right? And division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles. I asked Jake as a former dog, but also a division rival, the Eagles, what do you think about all the buzz that Philadelphia has kind of earned here uh, when it comes to the former dog players who are there in uh, in Philadelphia now? And Jake had some sort of funny stuff to say about that because he has to sort of view those guys a little bit of a rival right now. So that's that's good stuff coming up with Jake here in a little bit. But it's not just been the drafted players for Philadelphia. And by the way, congratulations to Jalen Carter, who did become the first first-round pick to get his contract announced. That happened yesterday. He's obviously got that generational wealth. That's what we say all the time around here. Listen, you can get the NIL money if you want to, but uh, ultimately, as John Calipari said, that's just sort of, sort of tripping on nickels, tripping uh, you know, over on nickels as you kind of walk your way towards the big money that you can get at the NFL level. And obviously, Jalen Carter kind of showing you that. Life-changing, $20-plus million, whatever it is. Big-time dollars coming the way of Jalen Carter. So we send him some heartfelt congratulations. But it's not just those draft picks who are kind of populating that Philadelphia roster right now. It's also a trade for former Georgia running back now in Philadelphia, too, DeAndre Swift. And, you know, Swift was recently talking about the move from Detroit to Philadelphia. And I want to play this audio clip here because – it's kind of an example of just sort of the cold, hard nature of the NFL. You know, in college football, one of the reasons why I love this sport is there's still some room, I think, for a little bit of like sentimentality. You know, you do it for Big State U, and, you know, it sort of feels like we can kind of create a little bit of a family vibe here every now and then. Well, in the NFL, that's not necessarily the case. And uh, DeAndre Swift sort of acknowledged that of, hey, listen, I got traded. They didn't really tell me anything. I just woke up one day and found out I was a Philadelphia Eagle. This is the reality in the NFL. Here's DeAndre Swift talking about that. It was a surprise. There was no really explanation. Everything kind of went through my agent. Like I said, there's a lot of different emotions going up and down. Um, like, I'm, I'm excited to be here. But first and foremost, uh, thank Detroit for everything. Uh, to the city of Detroit, will forever have a place in my heart. will love them for the opportunity that they gave me to just go out there and live out my dreams. But like I said, I'm excited for this new chapter. It is what it is, sort of an overused phrase. But in this particular case, that sort of sounds like the actual description. Hey, it just is what it is. Detroit wanted to trade him. They did. Didn't tell him why. Just shipped him off to Philadelphia. But it seems like DeAndre's pretty happy to be reunited with a bunch of former dogs there on that Philadelphia Eagles roster. I'm going to read this quote, too. You don't have the audio to play for you in this. I'm just going to read the quote. I, I like this from Swift about the presence of so many UGA players there with the Eagles. DeAndre saying that that's just a testament to the job that Kirby and his staff does over there, preparing players for life after football and the NFL next level. Now, listen, this is good stuff. He says, the Eagles definitely know where to get their players from. And uh, that's really cool. Obviously, DeAndre Swift back in his hometown there in Philadelphia, but repping UGA as he does so, the way that so many former Eagles players will be. And they're, listen, there are a lot of dogs who are very, very excited about seeing how it goes for a lot of former UGA players up there right now in the city of brotherly love. That has been a hot topic since the NFL draft. Obviously, don't forget DeAndre Swift now, a big part of that there as well. And that is Around the Doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And you can pour yourself up some Finish Long Drink here this weekend there too. Because as I've said before, I think the Finish Long Drink goes great with anything. But there is something about being outside this time of year. You know, it's about time to be out in swimming pools again, which is always a great thing, or back patios, or certainly golf courses, things like that. But when you're doing that, the finished long drink always goes great with that, whether it's the long drink cranberry, the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, so I know some of y'all like that. Long drink zero, no carbs, no sugar. How about the traditional? It's a blue can. It's got the grapefruit flavor. It's got the gin kick. That's probably my favorite version of the finished long drink. I just sort of like the classic flavor uh, that it's kind of famous for, and you get that with the traditional in the blue can. You can go to thelongdrink.com. You can sort of figure out which long drink variety is the 
best for you. You can also get one of those eight can variety packs, which is actually two different cans and of each of the four different varieties of the finished long drink. So that's a really cool thing there as well. You can also find out the story. You know, it comes from Finland, Helsinki, back in the 1950s when the Summer Games were there for the first time. And it's been in America now for a couple of years. It's also now in Georgia, pretty much anywhere you want to go. So go to thelongdrink.com, and you can find out where to pick some up today. All right, let me give you an update here one more time about what's going to be happening on the rest of the show. So before we are done, it's Jake Fromm, the great former Georgia quarterback, talking about a wide range of topics, including some of the Carson Beck stuff off the top of the program here today. We'll get into the Alabama baseball scandal and the embarrassing situation that results in the uh, baseball coach being fired because it's very odd gambling behavior. We'll get to that here before we're done on the program today. But for now, Dylan Raiola, Sammy Brown, uh, upcoming dates of note for UGA recruiting fans. A lot of recruiting information. Let's dive into it all with Jeff Sintel here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, always love on a Friday, get a chance to talk to UGA recruiting with Jeff Sintel. And uh, Jeff, I guess we'll begin this conversation the same place we have for the last several weeks. Latest information on five-star quarterback Dylan Raiola. That has really been a name of note for Georgia fans for quite some time. And I guess the new information to offer this week is is that Mike Bobo, the Georgia offensive coordinator, was spotted out there in uh, Arizona uh, with the uh, Pinnacle program, getting thanked for stopping by to visit, come out to check practice. Not the only spot in Arizona that Bobo visited while he was out there, but how does this kind of factor into everything else that has been going on uh, with Georgia and Raiola as of late? Uh, a little bit of a long uh, road trip, air flight, for uh, Bobo to go out and visit him there in Arizona. Uh, what can you add to what we learned on social media this week? Well, uh, hey, man, good morning, everybody. Uh, Brandon, I think one thing we know about Mike Bobo is he don't mind getting on a plane cross-country to go look for a quarterback. He did that uh, many times in his career when he was a Bulldog, especially. Um, I, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting, Brandon. I, I, two things. One, I saw that the impression of the Georgia uh, it got like 15,000 immediate views on Twitter and compared to the other traction that the Pinnacle High School football coaching visits were getting, roughly 28 times the size of all the other ones. Huh. Um, you also didn't see you also didn't see uh, a Nebraska coming up or an Oregon coming up or a USC coming up in subsequent days after that initial thanks for visiting tweet. So you know, that's a lot of tea leaves here with uh, Mr. Raiola and the courtship there with the Bulldogs. And I thought probably the most interesting tweet of the week regarding Raiola was, a, I guess, a triple whammy. If you saw the one from A.P. Hayward, Jalen Hayward, a guy that I think Georgia's going to have to maybe dig their heels in and um, hunker down to hold on to the class. Well, he sent out a, a, a tweet um, basically saying, let them know where home is to the fan base on social media. And he not only included a picture of himself but, uh, with Dylan Viola, but also KJ KJ Bolden. Mm. And, and again, that's another thing. KJ Bolden's the number one safety in the country. Georgia, uh, depending on the service you subscribe to, uh, could eventually, uh, if Bolden does choose Georgia, end up with the number one, number two, and number three safeties in the country. Uh, and KJ, I mean, excuse me, the KJ Bolden recruitment. It sounds like AP Hayward is is rubber stamping it, and he's here for it. So uh, that, that's good tweet stuff going on this week uh, as business start rolling. Yeah, no doubt about that, and that's interesting to follow. And obviously, before we're done today, I want to talk to you more about you know what this kind of leads up to over the course of the next few we- you know next few weeks with the 
a series of key dates coming up for Georgia. We'll get to that here coming up in a moment. But something else that you mentioned there, I just I, I keep coming back to. As you said, so Bobo is in Arizona this week. He's visiting Rael, and he's also stopped by in Sassuaro and places like that too. But to me, what continues to be the most interesting thing about Rialo's recruitment is kind of the absence, as you said, of the USC's or the Oregon's or the, the 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 schools like that in this recruitment. I mean, listen, I'm you know the last one that wants to say you know never say never because we've seen weird things happen in recruiting as of late. But that continues to me to be the most important piece of evidence here is is how active Georgia remains in this recruitment at a time in which other schools just seem to have reevaluated their priorities. I guess is the best way to say that. You and I have been doing this for a minute now. Uh, that's a good topic right there. I wonder, has there ever been a recruitment where uh, the parallel I'm going to make, and I'm not trying to act like I'm an expert in theology here, but it, it kind of feels like, I don't know if I've ever quite encountered Dog Nation in this fan base, you know, kind of waiting for the white puffs of smoke to come out uh, with, with Ryoma. There's, there's a lot of attention. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of anticipation. And it seems like bated breath is a lot of dog nation, just kind of waiting and hoping to see the eventual uh, the eventual news drop when it does. Because uh, everybody likes a five-star quarterback, but this one right here with the arm talent, the generational talent in some aspects, and all the times to Georgia, I think, really geek up the anticipation there. I don't know. What, what do you think, Brennan? Have you ever seen uh, the fan base kind of uh, with bated breath uh, for an announcement that's seems like it's going gonna, it's gonna to work its way out on its own due time. It feels a little bit different than things we've had before because, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, Jeff, but it sort of seems like we're kind of post-recruiting drama in some respects, where it's like we've seen some kind of surprising flips, in some cases not even involving Georgia. Like last year, Dante Moore, last minute, decided to go to UCLA. So we see some recruiting drama in terms of out of nowhere, a guy just sort of changes his mind where he might go. But the idea of, hey, where are my dog fans at? Or, hey, where are my, you know, Auburn, you know, like the, the, the player that wants to kind of cultivate as much attention for his recruitment as possible, that just doesn't seem to be quite the same currency that it used to be where now you have actual hard cash that's the, the real currency, maybe an IL and yeah. things like that, or just, I, I guess, more grown-up priorities as it relates to recruiting right now. It, it sort of seems like there's less of the kind of old-school recruiting theatrics the way we had in the past and now there's a lot more measured business decisions and it may lead at times with some recruits making an about face at the final moment before they make their choice but it doesn't seem as made for tv as it used to be would you agree with that kind of covering the industry on the inside whereas someone like me just more observes the industry would you agree with that on the inside yeah i think it's just a different time brandon and we're like two or three years a really quick two or three year metamorphosis, I might say, about how the recruiting process goes now. I think the other thing that makes this one different, there's two. Number one, uh, there's the rush for everybody that, hey, I know all this information. Come follow me. I'm going to give you a scoop and here you go and look, look at me get some clout because I'm going to tell you this is going to happen soon and I'm going to tell you it's coming. So then everybody will go back and say, hey man, that Brandon Adams dude said it was about to happen, man. He's a, he's a dude that's on his P's and Q's right now. That's sort of a feeling I have right here that kind of adds to it. But the other thing, Brandon, I'm just going to be real. The thing that's different now, is, especially in this Georgia football fan base, is Dylan Riola, should he choose Georgia and sign with Georgia, is no longer the guy um, taking taking Georgia out of the wilderness and into the promised land and yeah, breaking the drought. That's true. I, I mean, really, I, I think that's a big point where 
the bated breath type stuff really nobody has an edge to it anymore because nobody's sitting there going can he be the guy i mean now it's probably going to be for the foreseeable future can he be another stetson or really the real i guess part of the matter is can this be the quarterback that takes georgia's offense to the promised land and brings a lot of five-star weapons on the offensive side of the ball as well i think that's maybe the anticipation factor and everybody getting geeked up about it's no longer winning the title it's having georgia have potentially the heavyweight slobber knocker offense uh fireworks and all the college football well speaking of five-star recruits let's go to the other side of the ball and stay in state for a moment there's new information out there but the linebacker sammy brown out of Jefferson. I know you've got that for us at dognation.com. I've always liked Sammy. I think he's a good player. I've seen him obviously in person. I probably have a little bit of a bias in favor of some of these guys. They're somewhat close to home and Jefferson's just down the road from Athens. So I like the idea that it seems like Georgia is a big factor in his recruitment. A year after Georgia just brought in a trio of inside linebackers, about as good as anybody's ever brought in. Uh, The fact that that has not seemed to slow down the efforts here on Sammy Brown. I take that as really good news. What is the latest that you can tell us about where things stand with Georgia and Brown right now? Obviously, Georgia not the only school that's going to deep down the row with Sammy. Yeah, I think, Brandon, I think it's interesting. Uh, Sammy, in the context of this, Brandon, he's just a wonderful kid. Like, I think any mother in the world, if you said the kid's going to have to take that mullet haircut, but he's going to give you everything else. He's going to give you never made a B. He's going to get, give you three-sport athlete. He's going to give you uh, model son. He's, he's going to give you just really love hunting and fishing more than anything else. Oh, yeah, he's the number one linebacker in the country. Oh, yeah, he can squat about 545 pounds four times. He can power clean 400. He can run a 10-7 in the 100 meters. Just astounding type numbers. Oh, yeah, I can't forget this, Brandon. He's a two-time defending state wrestling champion as well. And he, he doesn't like the photo shoots. I mean, really, it's funny. He's like, he told me recently that he goes on them now, and he's like, like, what do I do with my hands? Like, I'm out of poses. I don't really yeah. Like, he's, he's kind of done with the recruiting process now. He's not going to take any unofficial visits now until he takes his five officials in a row. Uh, the old school folks out there would love the part that Sammy's like, I know I can get 10. I know I can get as many as I want. I don't need that many. Five is going to be fine. He's going to see Tennessee, he's going to see Georgia, he's going to see Clemson, he's going to see Oklahoma, he's going to see Ohio State. Uh, that's basically going to be it. Uh, Oklahoma has a specific date. Clemson had a specific date. Um, he's going to see Georgia the second weekend in June. And, and, and he said something to me twice now, Brandon. And I, I do these interviews all the time, probably 20 a week. Uh, and he said something a while back where he said, the competition at Georgia is actually a plus and not a minus. Because he knows he's not at the level of those guys yet, and he knows that will allow him to summon up the football he needs to try and reach their level. That's what he loves. But the other thing he loves about Georgia, and he shared that with me this week, Brandon, is think about this. A guy that makes all A's, a guy that is in the top 1% of track guys, the top 1% of wrestling guys, a guy that's in the top 1% of guys in the weight room in high school football, he looks to find a competitive culture. He wants to be around achievers, and he sees excellence at Georgia. He loves the way they practice. He says he's never seen a a unit practice the way Georgia does. He says it's just different, not only the intensity, where the last couple times he said, Brandon, he's seen offensive linemen and defensive linemen get in a fight in practice because it's so, (laughs) you know, it's it's not, I'm not talking steel cages and bare knuckle brawls or anything like that or a 
lose or leave town match, Brandon, but he likes seeing that on the football field. And then he loves the relationship with Glenn Schumann. He told me, he said, Glenn Schumann feels like he's already coaching him more than he is recruiting him. Hmm. And for a really sensible, down-home, son-of-a-coach, yeah. uh, high schooler, it matters. And that's what he wants to hear rather than pitches because give, give Glenn Schumann this for definitely not being tone-deaf with this recruitment. But he's realized that Sammy's about done with all the promises and the pitches and the photo shoots and all the glad-handing. And he just wants to figure out the best place where he can play his best football. I think that's really, really cool uh, to hear. That's great stuff. Let me finish with this, Jeff. I, I know that we're kind of calm before the storm here a little bit at the beginning of the month of May. As we head towards the end of this month and start certainly thinking about next month, it gets really busy for Georgia. I guess you got, what, scavenger hunt coming up here the next probably three weeks. And then it's massive official visits. Obviously, the first week in June we've talked a ton about. But uh, just kind of remind us here about key dates to know and – just kind of what our recruiting calendar should look like in our minds as a lot of the big pieces of this 2024 class, one way or another, are maybe about to come together. Yeah, it's going to get busy in about maybe a couple weeks. Uh, first of all, scavenger hunt, Brandon. It's kind of evolved into a Georgia tradition, but it's also evolved into something where you plant the seeds for the not the immediate center seniors, but this in this class, it would be the 2025s. I know Georgia's going to try to get David Sanders, probably will, the five-star, all-everything tackle out of Charlotte uh, for scavenger hunt. He told me that that's something that's really much on his mind. They're also going to welcome an official visit in terms of Casey Poe, a young man out of Texas, Brandon, who's got a lot of that good old Southern boy uh, qualities to him, kind of kind of feels like this ideal Stacey Searles type. Uh, offensive lineman. He's already been out to his high school this week to see him. Coaches Brandon are also on the road right now, as we talked about earlier with Riola. But um, that, that's happening. And then, hey, circle your calendars. The I think Brandon, I think Kirby's going to try and top this every year. But he wants that first weekend of June to be the greatest official visit weekend in the history of Georgia football recruiting. Yeah, he had a lot teed up on the on the bar last year. Uh, with, with Justin Payne, Caleb Down, Arch Manning, Raylan Wilson, uh, CJ Allen, on and on, Gabe Harris, Damon Wilson. A lot of guys that went one way, a lot of guys went the dog's way as well. But he's going to beat that this year with the likes of, you know, Justin Green, for example, uh, Jeremiah Smith, Ryan Wingo, Dylan Riola. Um, really, Georgia is trying to funnel all of their top targets into that first weekend in June if possible. Marquez easily got offensive linemen there. Um, you got everybody except maybe a guy like KJ Bolden, and you know Peyton Woodring's going to be there. Peyton Woodard is going to be there, excuse me. Um, and you're going to have KJ Bolden not going to be able to make it. But I just wonder if he's anywhere else and not visiting anywhere else, he might just drive up to Athens for an unofficial visit as well, with a lot going on. So that certainly, if you're an unofficial visitor that weekend in Athens, you're certainly going to come out of that weekend feeling like that might have been your best official visit when you didn't even really take one man it just sets up for a really fun summer obviously georgia in a recruiting sphere that we've gotten very used to but at the same time this has a chance to be as good as anything we've seen and on the heels of two straight national championships i guess you wouldn't expect anything less than that great coverage of that jeff thanks for a fun conversation we'll look forward to reading about much more of this from you at dognation.com there as well we'll watch it this upcoming wednesday on before the hedges presented by kroger and see you back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, again next Friday as well. Appreciate your time, Jeff. Guys, hope everybody has a wonderful weekend. And I'll tell you, Brandon, 
it never gets old now when you hear about a kid getting a Georgia offer. That's right. And uh, they hadn't been recruited yet. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, Georgia just offered. They're immediately at the top of my list. It's just different recruiting for the University of Georgia these days. Those coaches in Athens got a great product to sell, and they know how to sell it. So uh, we'll be here to cover it all. Great time to be a dog fan, Jeff. We'll talk to you next time. Take it easy, man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really fun to get a chance to talk some uh, Georgia recruiting with Jeff Sintel. Pre-recorded, that's why, if you're watching a video, that's why I was wearing a red shirt in the interview and a black shirt right now. Uh, that's pre-recorded with Jeff. Jeff couldn't be with us today, but nonetheless, uh, delivering some strong stuff. We recorded that yesterday afternoon, so uh, really, really good stuff from Jeff Sintel. And speaking of really good stuff, man, around my house, we're getting excited because we have a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation with my family. You know, when we took the Dog Age cruise last week, Kids were in school, wife was staying home with them, so did not get to take my family on board Independence of the Seas last week for our Dog Nation cruise, but we're going to be on board Independence of the Sea for one of those weekend cruises uh, coming up here really soon in the month of June, so boy, I'm excited about that, it's kind of fun to hear the family start to get excited and talk about stuff like that. There's just a lot of energy around our household about all that. We just kind of get excited about summer in general, but obviously this summer for us, that also includes... Uh, a trip on Independence of the Seas for a great uh, cruise for ourselves. So listen, it's a cue to you to start getting those uh, vacations planned yourself here this summer. Whether you want to be like us and take one of those weekend three-night cruises or you want to do like a Dog Nation cruise and do the four-night deal. We left on a Monday, came back on a Friday, really, really convenient, got back home in time for the weekend and had just a wonderful, wonderful time. Or maybe you're ready for the big experience, the, the kind of experience you get on board a seven-night cruise, perhaps on one of those Oasis-class ships, the largest cruise ships at sea that offer the multitude of neighborhoods like the Central Park area or the Boardwalk area or obviously the Royal Promenade, the, the different kinds of entertainment you get on board one of these, like the Aqua Theater with the wonderful you know high-diving shows off the back of the ship, and then you got the, uh, the ice skating rink and the, 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 the wonderful theater. We have Broadway-style shows. It's amazing. At no additional charge, the level of just great entertainment that Royal Caribbean provides you on, on, on one of these cruise ships. It's truly a great family vacation. They do so many things for the entire family, and that's one of the reasons why I love having my entire family on board a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Also, Royal Caribbean believes that a great travel agent can help make your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation even better. That's why they recommend Jessica Slater. Uh, she's done a great job for both my personal travel and obviously our Dog Nation cruise there as well. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can check out Jessica Slater today, and she can tell you everything you need to know about a wonderful Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I've got a few stories I want to hit, but I want to try to hit them quickly because I know a lot of you want to hear from Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback. We'll do that here in just a couple of minutes. Let me start with what obviously is maybe the biggest story in sports today because of how odd it is, the fact that Alabama has quickly moved to fire its baseball coach, Brad Bohannon. Obviously, we don't talk much about Alabama baseball on this show, but this is obviously kind of an embarrassing situation where Bohannon, it is believed, was a part of some betting activity against his team going back last weekend in games against uh, LSU. What happened is a lot of sports books halted betting on Alabama baseball. And you kind of trace this back. It's not believed that any Alabama players were involved in anything, but it seems like there's some pretty strong evidence out there to suggest that a better had Bohannon on the phone while in line 
to place a bet on LSU against Alabama. Alabama had scratched its top starting pitcher, had some other starters, I believe, out that day there as well. Kind of inside information that Bohannon gave to somebody else, and that person made a bet on all of this. Now, what is so weird about this is, to be just completely frank, how dumb it is. Because here's the thing. Apparently, Bohannon did not realize, if I if I had to guess, if this is all playing out the way it's being reported, apparently Bohannon didn't quite realize how easy this was going to be to track down. Because there are just not a lot of bets taken on college baseball. In fact, FanDuel, I think it's reported, they didn't take a single bet on the LSU-Alabama game in question at all. That that just not very many bets on this. It's typically kind of a low-limit deal. And the same thing's been true in like over the years when it comes to college basketball. You've heard about like point-shaving scandals and things like that. You know, a lot of the action in those games out in like, say, Las Vegas years ago when it would have happened. I mean, there's been a lot of reporting about this. In a lot of instances, when a point-shaving type game took place, Vegas sort of knew something was up because if you typically think about X number of dollars being bet on a college basketball game, a typical regular season game during the week just doesn't draw a lot of betting action. Well, on this sort of random game, maybe there was 20x, you know, amount of dollars bet on it. And you sort of knew, well, something's not quite right here because a lot of people seem to think they know something. It was the kind of the same type of thing here when it comes to, uh, you know, the Alabama LSU baseball game where just way too much action on a game that typically shouldn't have anything bet on it whatsoever. But at the same time, you know, because college baseball is a relatively lightly bet sport, the limits on what you can get down in a game is very, very low. And so ultimately, Bohannon, who's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars as the Alabama baseball coach, has now, you know, risked his career and certainly ruined his reputation over what probably turns out to be just a few thousand dollars in financial gain. There's never a right reason to do the wrong thing, of course. I'm not suggesting that. But boy, if you're going to put your whole life on the line, you'd like to think somebody had more to gain than what Bohannon you know, had the chance to cash in on this. This is truly just one of the dumbest things that anyone's ever done. And obviously, it kind of adds to what has been a pretty ugly picture for Alabama athletics over the course of the you know last year or so. That right now, Nick Saban, the football team, you know, they're still in contention for championships, things like that, even after two regular season losses a year ago. Uh, but if it not for the Alabama football team, if not for the veneer of respectability they provide, think about how much more negative attention Nate Oates would be getting as the basketball coach. Uh, what's happening here with the baseball team? There was an issue involving an associate athletic director. Uh, obviously, you're talking about you know some player arrest, things like that. You could go through a laundry list of things that have taken place there at Alabama that you know would be getting even more negative attention if not for you know kind of what you're getting from the uh, football team here right now now i'm also going to get on on a tiny soapbox for like five seconds then i'll move on to something else here's what kind of frustrates me a little bit i mean clearly in this case bohannon has done wrong the guy that he was using as his proxy to make these bets uh it appears that he's done wrong too if the reporting that we've read so far is accurate and obviously everybody that kind of covers this from a media standpoint sort of jumps in on this i think even in the light of what appears to be just obvious wrongdoing, I still think we pay way too much attention to what individuals try to do sports books, and we don't pay nearly enough attention to what sports books try to do to individuals. That that the sports betting media, for the most part, writes from kind of the book point of view, and I think that we need more sports betting media that kind of writes from the better point of view. Right now, and really nobody does that. Uh, that that you know, this obviously looks like you know, kind of a scandal, and you know, kind of uh, you know, wrongdoing on the part on the part of the of the better against the book. But listen, when you look at some of the lines that are out there, and some of y'all know this if you follow you know betting and pay attention to that, when you look at some of the huge holds that exist on, on some of these, that the, the, the kind of value the typical sports book offers to a better, the fact that if you have any, you know, 
if it seems any chance whatsoever that you might be a sharp player, that you might win some games, there's a lot of sports books that just simply won't take your action. You can cite lots of evidence right now that the books oftentimes aren't exactly doing right by the players. But that doesn't get written about nearly as much because for the most part, most big media entities are in bed with some kind of sports book. Therefore, they sort of write their betting coverage from a sports book point of view. If you don't care about gambling, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But if you do bet, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And moving forward, I still think we need more of that, even in light of what appears to be, you know, <laughs> attempt at fraud against the sports book. There are plenty of things that sports books attempt to do to betters that also kind of veer in that direction there as well. But we don't seem to get quite as much coverage of that. Just worth pointing that out. Now, on a completely different subject here for a moment, uh, we've kind of entered into kind of rubber chicken circuit time of year when a lot of these coaches sort of go on their tours you know Tennessee calls its version of this the big orange caravan Kirby Smart does not really do much of this anymore if you want to know any example of you know kind of what makes Kirby Kirby obviously the king coach in college football right now looking down on everybody else I think Kirby does like three or four of these for the entire year they're usually pretty spaced out I know he was in Macon uh, not too long ago but Kirby does not do a ton of like you know caravan you know tour type stuff whereas most coaches are traveling around their state kind of barnstorming trying to sort of you know get some folks excited about the upcoming season Josh Heupel doing that around Tennessee and uh the the Tennessean had an interesting quote uh from uh from from Heupel at one of these recent appearances where he was asked about the defense and what he said was is that at Tennessee we don't just want to play good defense we want to play I think the phrase that he used was elite defense we want to be an elite defense at Tennessee and I was looking at some of the numbers so they were six in the SEC last year and point allowed points allowed per game somewhere in the low 20s so they're you know six in the SEC they're on that and I think it's a fair question to ask is can it get better and this is upcoming on year three for Tennessee and the belief you've probably heard me express in the past is that there is no free lunch. If you choose to pray, play your offense and, and, and kind of perform your offense at the speed with which Tennessee plays, which obviously works well for its offense, they score a lot of points, and they're, they're, they're tough to stop. They have a clear offensive system that gives them, you know, a little bit of a personality. When you, when you close your eyes and picture Tennessee football right now, led by Josh Heupel, you sort of have a pretty strong picture in your mind of what that looks like. But when you play that fast, even if it results in a lot of points for your offense, it does put a lot of pressure on your defense. And about sixth best in the SEC, I wonder if the ceiling for Tennessee defensively is much higher than I'm actually not quite so sure that it is because you're asking those defensive players to do an awful lot there. Plus, when you talk about a Tennessee team that, you know, if you want to look back at the previous years prior to Heupel getting there, just was not necessarily doing gangbusters recruiting. And by the way, had a lot of transfer attrition once Jeremy Pruitt left a couple of years ago. I think seeing how much better Tennessee can be defensively this year compared to what they've been in the past, I think it's worth pointing out. Or I should say I think it's worth observing to see how it plays out, maybe uh, better said. Look at some of the preseason top 25s that are out there right now. You sort of see Tennessee everywhere from, I think, it's about as high as 11th to somewhere around like 15th, 16th, something like that. That seems about right to me. They could be better than that. It's going to take better defensive play to get them there, but they could be worse than that. And if Tennessee loses games prior to playing Georgia November, like on the road at Alabama or against Texas A&M, some of these other games that Tennessee has to play, some defensive breakdowns are probably the reason why. It's easy for Josh Heupel to go on the you know barnstorming tour with a lot of his fans across the state and say, hey, we're going to be an elite defense. But what are you actually doing to make your defense elite? That's one of those things we'll be watching for to see from Tennessee this season. Two other quick stories here that have been out there. We just haven't had much time to talk about as of yet. Uh, TJ Finley, the former LSU, now former Auburn quarterback, is entering the transfer portal again. Finley's a grad transfer, so he's not bound by that 
uh, portal window for typical transfers that closed on April 30th. And it also stands to reason now that Finley's next stop is certainly going to be outside the SEC, if not the Power Five, you know, completely. Uh, Finley had some nice moments at LSU going back years ago. Never quite matched that for the most part there at Auburn and probably now looking to step down at least a level uh, for his next college home. But it does sort of remind you that it, his departure leaves a door open for another quarterback there at Auburn. And there are a few you know, situations in the SEC where quarterback is just wide open right now. Uh, the Florida situation, uh, Billy Napier has openly said, we'd love to bring in another quarterback of, of some kind. We'll see if they're able to. Obviously, Alabama took uh, Tyler Buckner the other day, a guy who might have been third-string quarterback at Notre Dame if he stayed, and now he comes to compete for the Alabama starter. So, obviously, the Alabama quarterback situation is a little bit of a mess right now. And then you add to that Auburn. Now, Hugh Freeze historically almost always has a good quarterback, but you're kind of left to wonder right now on the Plains – what kind of raw materials he gets a chance to work with. Robbie Ashford, I think he's shown you some stuff from time to time. He's a little bit of a fan favorite because he's you know from the Hoover area in the state of Alabama. But you also had the other day Casey Thompson, the former Nebraska quarterback, visiting uh, Auburn. We'll see if Auburn is able to win with a transfer quarterback like that and get him on the roster. And we'll see uh, if, if Thompson were to come to Auburn, what kind of difference he can make. That right now, there are a lot of SEC teams who hope a quarterback currently outside their program can step in and be better than what their current quarterbacks are. And there may be no more significant situation where that's taking place than at Auburn, especially from a Georgia fan standpoint, because, of course, the dogs do go on the road to Jordan-Hare Stadium there on September 30th. So figuring out what Auburn's going to do at quarterback doesn't just matter for the Tigers. It probably matters for uh, dog fans a little bit there as well as they look at one of their key opponents. Then finally, there's this. This is another one of those stories that I meant to mention the other day. We ran out of time, and I guess now it's a few days old, but I did want to make sure that we – gave it to you before the week is out so we saw a little bit of a coaching shakeup recently in the sec where jimmy Lindsay was hired at lsu as a new defensive line coach got paid big bucks to leave south carolina his old spot to uh, come there to lsu it seems like though south carolina is not crying too many tears over this Lindsay leaves goes to lsu gets a big paycheck to do so but south carolina brings in travion robertson who had been at Tulane at one point in time? He's on the Georgia staff many many years ago. But had been at Tulane, uh, been at Georgia State. He's a South Carolina grad, and it seems like you know Gamecock's going to bring one of their own back to work with the defensive line here. So it seems like they're pretty excited about adding Robertson. And you know, you know, Lindsey moves on, gets big dollars there at LSU. We'll see what kind of impact he makes there. But it looks like South Carolina right now is pretty happy to be adding Robertson and. As I've told you before, keep your eye on South Carolina. A lot of recruiting momentum for the Gamecocks here right now, bringing back kind of a sort of a local favorite to coach there at an important position like defensive line. Obviously, Shane Beamer trying to build something that can last there in Columbia, especially with other coaches who kind of come into the SEC near the same time, the Billy Napiers, the, the, the Josh Heupels, even if you want to count like Hugh Freeze there at Auburn. Right now, I would say that Shane Beamer is doing about as well as any of those guys are in terms of what he's building there in Columbia. And the current recruiting class is certainly an indication of that. And bringing a guy like Roberts to work with your defensive line, uh, that's a chance for even more recruiting wins there in the future. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as promised here on a Friday special appearance now by the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, time for our Kroger Fresh Take with the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fry. I'm glad to have him back on the program here today. And, Jake, I know you're a part 
of the Washington Commanders organization. You may not want to say anything nice about a division rival here, but uh, boy, a lot of Georgia fans sure have enjoyed the way in which the Philadelphia Eagles have embraced uh, these Georgia Bulldog players after the NFL draft. What did you make of that? You know, Howie Roseman, Eagles GM, speaking so kindly about Georgia and once again putting a bunch of former dogs uh, there in the city of brotherly love. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. It's uh, it's really neat, man, just to see uh, some some Georgia dogs, man, get drafted, get to have that experience. Um, you know, for guys like Jalen and Nolan and, and all the other guys who got drafted, man, that's a that's a huge accomplishment. It's a dream. Uh, I'm really glad that they were able to accomplish that uh, for themselves and for the family. Uh, but as far as going to Philly uh, to a division rival, um, you know, it's kind of a, a love and love and hate thing. Um, but uh, wish them all the best, except twice a year. And uh, hopefully I'll have a, a decent enough scout report. But, uh, man, they, it looks like they found a, a formula that they like. Um, they like the guys who have been coached by, uh, you know, Coach Smart. Um, and they, they found something they really like. So I don't mind telling you this. I'm a way bigger college fan than I am NFL fan. I watch NFL football, but I love college football, and I just kind of always have. Like, the one thing that's always kind of amazed me about the draft process is why more GMs don't kind of do what it appears that Howie Roseman has done here, which is, hey, I'm going to try to find a bunch of guys who are really good for the best team. You know, Jordan's obviously a dominant program. Uh, players have succeeded there at a high level in your era, now the era that's going on here right now. It just sort of stands to reason to me, if I was a personnel guy, I'd be going for players like this who've achieved against great competition. Obviously, the SEC provides that. You know, performing every day in a tough environment during practice, it seems like that's what, in this case, the Eagles have gravitated towards. I'm surprised more GMs don't think that way, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's a great idea because you know what you're getting. You're getting a guy who, who understands winning culture, who's been coached by some really good coaches, um, guys that, you know, have come – um, from a winning program. So that means that, man, they, they, they're coming in with high expectations. Uh, they know how to win, and they're going to do everything it takes to win. So uh, for me, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. On a different draft note, we saw a guy like Darnell Washington kind of slide in the draft a little bit. It seemed like there may have been a couple of injury, you know, kind of red flag type things that popped up. And I think for a lot of Georgia fans, uh, Jake, this is frustrating. And as somebody who's been through the draft process, I'm curious how you view this because – you know, a year ago, we heard that about N'Kobe Dean, and yet, once again, the Eagles were thrilled to be able to draft him. We heard that about Jamari Salyer. Jamari turned out to be one of the better rookies in the league last year, and Brandon Staley has said, you know, got to help the Chargers save their season. You know, some of this red flag injury stuff ends up being kind of a bunch of nonsense in some respects, and yet, once again, you know, some Georgia players had to kind of fight against that some uh, during this year's draft process. As a guy who's been through this and kind of been picked apart when it comes to being selected in the NFL draft, what's it like being a player in all of this? Because, boy, it seems like there's a lot of excessive negativity sometimes during this pre-draft process to a degree that I think is unfair, not just for Darnell, but for players across the board sometimes, it seems. Yeah, you, you kind of uh, hit on it just a little bit, man. In, this, uh, in that process, Especially the combine process. I mean, they're not they're not looking for what what's right with you, what you do well. They're just looking for what's wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, especially when it kind of comes to the medical history and stuff. I mean, they are just looking for any reason, kind of not to draft you or to move you down the board. So I really hate it for Darn Darnell, but uh, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of how he responds from it, man. Because I, I think he's a great football player, and there is no telling what his ceiling can be. Uh, man, if he really just just man grinds after it and goes after it hard. I mean, he, he could be a, a super dominant football player uh, at this level because he can, he can do freaky things that there's not many right. many other human beings on this planet can do. Um, so 
Man, really, really, it's going to be really fun to see. Uh, I hate that for him, but uh, I know he's going to kind of take it with the chip on his shoulder uh, and be ready to respond. You're a quarterback. You're obviously thinking about your own career, but I'm sure you also saw Stetson Bennett drafted fourth round by the L.A. Rams, and it sort of seems to me, uh, Jake, and maybe you'll agree with this, that, hey, to go to a quarterback, you have, a, I guess, a little bit of a relationship with him, Matthew Stafford. You at least you know, kind of you know, know of him a little bit at least. Uh, a quarterback-friendly coach like Sean McVay, it seems like that's a better situation maybe for Stetson than otherwise could be. I mean, you sometimes think about you know, quarterbacks that don't always get along with their backup quarterbacks very well. I have a hard time imagining that'll be the case for him and Stafford out there. And obviously, as I said before, you know, you know, I'm sure McVay is the kind of uh, a coach a lot of quarterbacks like to work with. How advantageous of a spot do you think Stetson is for being able to land there in L.A.? Yeah, I think it's a pretty, pretty solid uh, – kind of spot for him to go uh, they got a great thing rolling um uh, there and uh get to go with a fellow dog like matt stafford there i mean that's not a uh a bad learning experience um to be in the same room uh man with the future hall of famer so uh that's awesome uh they'll get to have that that in common um but uh yeah man it's gonna be fun to, to see what we're gonna what we're gonna see out of stetson um and uh wish him all the best You've started games in the biggest city in America, the New York Giants. Uh, you know, Stetson kind of out there in L.A. Did you give much thought to that before your pro career of, hey, you know, I mean, obviously if it's an NFL town, most of them are all going to be pretty big cities. But, uh, you know, much along the thought of, you know, playing in a place like New York or playing in a place like L.A., a little bit different than maybe down here in the SEC where we're talking about mostly small college towns. Did it feel different in a situation like that? And do you imagine it might feel different for Stetson actually being in a, a very big city like Los Angeles? Angeles. Hey, like I, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge city person, man. I'm just a, a dude from from Middle South Georgia, uh, you know, who, who loves to be out in the country and loves to play some football. Um, but man, it, it was pretty cool to kind of kind of think about. Man, I, I am playing for, uh, you know, was playing for the the New York Giants there at one time. So that, that is pretty cool. Definitely, you know, up in the, the Northeast area, man. Pro football is a, is a big deal, you know, sure. and all over the country too. So. Um, but uh, definitely in the man, the South, we we love our our college football. No so, doubt. Um, but it it, it is uh, pretty cool um, to to think about. Man, I, I am playing for a a big time uh, program uh, and a franchise, and uh, man, just just want to do your best and, and represent the right way. I want to ask you about the situation here at Georgia in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks: this is our Kroger Fresh Take with Jake Fromm here uh, on Dog Nation Daily, and of course, Kroger got you covered as you get ready for Mother's Day next Sunday. Now, y'all don't forget about this. Now, it's time to go ahead and get those greeting cards bought, the gift cards, flowers, all the stuff you need to make Mother's Day special for that special mom in your life, whether it be your mother, your wife, or anybody else. Uh, go ahead and uh, do some great stuff there. Kroger.com/slash/Mother's Day, a great website to go to, or just stop by and shop in store and get ready for everything you need for this upcoming mother's day that's next sunday so make sure you're ready for all of that uh jake this week on our show we've talked about carson beck a little bit one of the things that i've said is is that you know i'm really impressed with the growth that i've seen from carson and carson had an interview recently where he kind of talked about some of the challenges that he faced both in terms of coming in at georgia during a covid year in which I think the sport was probably weirder than it's ever been. He's been pretty candid about how weird that was with the lack of connection, all the Zoom meetings, things like that. Of course, you experienced that yourself in the NFL, too. Uh, but he's also talked about you know having a chance to maybe emerge as a starting quarterback once JT got hurt in 2021. And Carson, by his own admission, not quite being ready for that. But we would all say with our own eyes, it looks like he is more than ready here right now. And I don't know that this spring Carson's gotten enough credit for the way that he's grown and matured as a person. Obviously, he's got the skills to play the quarterback position. 
But how about like the intangible part of all of that? What have you seen from that when it comes to Carson Beck? Because it seems like that may be what's rounding into form for him as much as anything is right now. Look, I completely agree. I, I see a guy right now who's who's been around the block, who has some experience. He's not approaching this as a as a college quarterback. Man, he's really taking a professional approach uh, to playing the position, uh, to representing the university, the program, you know, everything that comes with it. Um, he's just being being very professional about it. Man, I, I loved his performance uh, during G Day, uh, and then everything else from that. So I, I'm super excited to see what what Carson is going to show us uh, this fall. Um, and, and how he's going to take ownership of it, you know. Um, this, is, this is his show now. I believe it's going to be his show. Um, and, uh, man, it's going, to be, it's going to be fun to watch and fun to see. I'll squeeze in one tiny, tiny thing before we let you go. You start looking ahead for him, too. You know, it's September where you're playing, you know, some of these games this year for Georgia, not quite as high profile as they've had in the past. And then all of a sudden you go on the road to a Auburn right there at the end of the month. I remember your first, you know, big start going on the road, uh, Notre Dame. Obviously, you kind of face a oh, yeah. big-time stage like that. How do you get a guy ready for a road environment that's never been in that spot before? I know you can pump in the crowd music, the crowd noise, things like that, but what's it like going on the road when you've never experienced that before? Oh, yeah. I mean, you're just going to have to find a way to block everything out. Um, it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be loud. Uh, man, just uh, trust in your preparation, trust in the process, uh, and really trust your teammates, man, because uh, it's just it's just you guys. That, that's what's kind of really, really fun to me about going on the road in the SEC. You know, when you walk into to Neyland or you walk into Jordan-Hare, I mean, it's just it's just all the opposing team's color, mm-hmm. and everybody's against you, and all you got is your dudes on the sideline and your coaching staff. That's it. So, uh, man, I, I love being able to go, in, go into those environments uh, and fight our way out. Uh, come up with a win. So I love that. I know he's going to look forward to playing that as well. I love that description, Jake. That's good stuff. Jake, we always appreciate your time here on the show. We wish you best of luck as well as you continue to work on your own game here this uh, off season. So best of luck with that. We'll look forward to talking to you here on Dog Nation Daily and our Kroger Fresh Take again very soon as well. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you. All right, great stuff from Jake Fromm. Let's get ready to wrap up today's show, and we'll do so with some of our golden shoes here and ready to wrap things up here on a Friday. Uh, I'll show you this from uh, Georgia football. So yesterday we had our May the 4th uh, golden shoe. Georgia put out its own May the 4th Star Wars tweet, and far be it me for, for being critical, because this is obviously a beautiful uh, edit here. you got some cool Star Wars stuff. you got the Georgia guys there, lightsabers in the background, clearly a well-done edit. I sort of feel like, though, if you're going to do the Star Wars tweet, I need to see a Georgia face like superimposed onto a Star Wars costume. I sort of feel like I need more of that. You know, Kirby Smart as, you know, uh, maybe Darth Vader or, you know, uh, I see Cedric Von Prawn right there in the middle. Maybe make him like a Luke Skywalker figure or something like that. I sort of feel like we need a little bit more of that. Good stuff. It's good. But I could use a little bit more costumage on the uh, Georgia faces there for that. So uh, good try by Georgia football. But I could take a little bit more Star Wars in the Star Wars tweet there on that. As far as our next golden shoe goes, we'll give out another one of these. Uh, South Georgia Dog 13 sent this to me the other day related to the NFL draft. You see uh, Jalen Carter there. He says the Falcons must be allergic to dogs, meaning they still have not drafted one in the first round. I had a chance to draft Jalen Carter and didn't. He says that's okay. Our dogs are also allergic to losing. So obviously he's excited about the fact that a lot of Georgia players go into Philadelphia or maybe they have a better chance of uh, winning than the Falcons have had over the years. Another golden shoe here. Obviously there's been a lot of talk lately about the situation in Alabama. And I guess also a brand new show apparently coming to HBO Max or I guess now it just wants to be known as Max called Bama Rush. 
Mr. Capallo sent this to me. Uh, I, I'm guessing we're going to be seeing this meme a lot moving forward of what appears to be an Alabama sorority girl, but perhaps unhappy with not getting into the sorority she wanted to be in. You see some crocodile tears streaming down there. The Bama Rush thing. <laughs> this this meme may have some staying power, and Heather Heather Capallo may be the first one to kind of share that with us, so we'll give her a golden shoe there as well. And finally, there's this. I know this has been a long time coming for a lot of folks. Houston Evans sent this to me. A golden, uh, sh- golden shoe-worthy submission, he says. Vanity UGA license plate from the great uh, state of Florida, or at least it's a great state for places where a lot, a lot of dogs are congregated. He says the Jacksonville Bulldog Club was instrumental in making it happen after many years of appealing the state legislator. Uh, these are the first, so uh, Houston Evans shares his with us. He gets dog aid. He says a lot of the other combinations of DAWG were already taken, uh, but nonetheless, a great-looking Georgia license plate in the state of Florida. How awesome is that to be able to see? Really good stuff. Congratulations to everybody a part of the Jacksonville Bulldog Club who made that happen. Obviously, golden shoes all around, including Houston, who shared that with us. By the way, speaking of the lousy stinking Gators, they may be seeing a lot of those Georgia license plates coming up. 176 days from right now, Georgia in Jacksonville to beat the Florida Gators. We will uh, look forward to uh, that when it goes down and look forward to seeing all of you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll talk to you then, everybody.